Unique yet common sense opinions on sports. This is Jeff Allen Sports Talk. We welcome you to the season five premiere of JAS. Yes, I do go the acronym routes. Sometimes more for my own internal purposes because now that I'm doing the AAC report over on the Nightline Sports Network, I have to sometimes distinguish when I'm communicating with people which podcast I either want to be a guest on or to listen to. Nonetheless, Jeff Allen Sports Talk is in Season 5. And they said it couldn't be done. I say that every year, but you know. (laughs) Good news about podcasting and doing this particular show is I can't be canceled. And I can't be fired by a radio station, so that's good news. Uh, So, you know, I get to build this and kind of keep chugging along and doing things, you know. One, the way I like them, hopefully the way you like them too. We try to try to please everybody. I know that's an impossible task, but we do our very best to do so. I guess the only way I wouldn't be able to continue is if I no longer had the funds to, you know, have the uh, the podcast served, you know, through SoundCloud to all the distribution platforms, or just if I decided I had had enough. <laughs> And I uh, want to thank everybody that listens. You know, when we started off, man, it just doesn't seem that long ago. In 2015, when we, we, when we started out, you know, just very few listeners. Mom, Dad, Keith, <laughs> my wife, Joy, thank you so much. <laughs> I think they're still listening. Um, you know, now we've you know grown the audience by tremendous leaps and bounds, and I have so many people to thank for that. And, uh, and... You know, as always, I always like to ask if you can tell a friend about the podcast that may not know about it, and hopefully they'll subscribe and they'll tell a friend, and so on and so on as we do our thing. So please, uh, please do that. Uh, you can uh, also follow me on Twitter at Jeff Allen underscore eighty eight, and um, you can also uh, share me out that way as well. And this week, you know, we're glad we can make it through without the hurricane causing too much commotion in the state of Florida. Uh, And I'm happy to be able to do a podcast, although I did have plans because I have a uh, a setup where I could I I could have released recorded the podcast uh, in the dark if I had to. But uh, thankfully, not having to do that, and you know, bless the, the the folks in the Bahamas. I mean. What what they've endured and are going to continue to endure for the weeks to come, our hearts go out to them for that. They've uh, got way too much uh, of of Dorian, and uh, that is such a sad story. Um, we are fortunate here that Dorian did not uh, uh, cause dam- you know, or or if they if there's any damage, I haven't heard of it. I've kind of broken away from the TV coverage, and um, you know. I kind of have an issue, you know, I'm going off book a little bit here. You know, the television coverage, look, I know it's a public service. They need to inform the public about what could be an imminent danger uh, weather-wise. Totally get that. But I think now, and, you know, my colleagues and friends in the TV industry may disagree with me on this, but I think it just borders a little too heavy, a little too heavy with the non-stop 24-hour coverage days before the hurricane gets here. And, 
you know, the for, the forecast track model was coming to rip right through the state of Florida. And, you know, it's good to know that information, but the, 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 the dire sense of urgency and false sense of security that I think is coming out of this now, because it does border on that danger. You know, people are going to say, well, that ain't coming here. You know, it's, Again, want to keep informed, but I think the the television television coverage, broadcast coverage, TV, radio, whatever, is just overdone to the point that it, it adds to the fatigue of people waiting to see what's going to go on, and uh, hopefully that could be dialed back a bit. Yet, but you know, people are going for eyeballs, ratings, clicks, all that stuff. So, unfortunately, that may not change. But uh, you know. As a, as a person, you know, used his good sense, you know, stay informed and know what's happening weather-wise as we continue through the hurricane season. We want everybody to be safe, and we want everybody to be able to continue listening. Yes, <laughs> the National Football League is back opening week of the season and doing it in style on Thursday night. The Bears and the Packers renewing the oldest rivalry in the NFL. And we've got Pro Pigskin back in our lives to tantalize us for 17 weeks. A month of playoffs and a Super Bowl in early February, which will probably be here before you know it. But it is great to have it back. It also gives me an excuse to play this great NFL Films music. (laughs) The orchestras for NFL Films. The very, very best. Zeke Elliott gets a Contract extension with the Dallas Cowboys, six more years, so they've got him locked up for eight more seasons. He'll be the highest-paid running back in the NFL. It's a big, long-term investment for a running back. You know, the shelf life, you know, and we've gone over it on this podcast before. You can't blame running backs for trying to leverage a big payday as soon as they can. And, you know, just from the fact that they don't have the lengthy careers that wide receivers and other position players have. So anyway, that, uh, you know, it's a big, big risk for the Cowboys from the length, length of service, but there are anomalies of guys that last and are durable. Walter Payton, Barry Sanders, Emmett Smith, and the Cowboys are hoping they've got a little, you know, that kind of length, Emmett Smith length in Ezekiel Elliott. He means so much to the Cowboys offense. And he knew a deal was going to get done before the season. That just was not going to uh, last very long. And uh, the Cowboys will have Zeke ready for game one. And our good friend Antonio Brown of the Los, 
Los Angeles Raiders, the Oakland Raiders, like soon to be the Las Vegas Raiders. I think I've covered every territory they've been in now. Uh, A.B., you know, going back to his fits at the end of last year in Pittsburgh to the freezing of his, burning of his feet cryogenically and the helmet issue, which he drug out for weeks upon end. And now he's complaining about getting fined. (laughs) Jeez. Dude. Oh, there is just so much going on there. Has he not become Terrell Owens? Although, based on what Antonio is doing, he's starting to make Terrell Owens look a little saintly. (laughs) T.O. was such a distraction to his locker room. And it looks like Antonio is trying to one-up him. Turning to college football, some great stories over the weekend. Georgia State, how about that? Going into Tennessee getting their $950,000 payday, and beating the Volunteers. (laughs) That was such a tremendous game. Love their coach giving the SEC a little bit of burn, you know, because their their tagline is, it just means more in the SEC. (laughs) And he goes out and says, well, for us, it meant more. Good job. (laughs) And uh, boy, Tennessee, they have fallen off the cliff in such a dramatic way, Jeremy Pruitt suffering a very embarrassing loss, and he's going to make it very hard on himself to keep that coaching job. You know, I lived in Knoxville when Peyton Manning was there, 96 to 98, and how good a team they were. Had their problems beating Florida, but they were a tremendous football team. And Phil Fulmer had 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 a great program going there, and eventually led to a national championship that T. Martin led them to at the quarterback position. And Phil's last couple of years got him fired. And it's been all downhill ever since. They tried to hire uh, Greg Schiano and the, the Twitter universe lit the university up, so they backed out of that deal. And uh, Fulmer comes back as the AD. Lots of rumors that he wants to Return as the coach. And the platform is definitely getting set up for that. Hugh Freeze decides to coach the Liberty Flames from a hospital bed. Now, the hospital bed was in the press box. And they lost 24 nothing to Syracuse. Interesting move there. Um, I don't know that coaching in the press box... Was not more of a distraction, more of a problem for his team. I think at that point, you just got to let your coordinators do the business down on the field. And I don't know how much leeway they had, but, you know, I mean, Joe Paterno late in his career when he had the broken leg coach in the press box, but by about that time, his coordinators were doing a lot of the legwork and he was more in the CEO role, if you will. Uh, I think the Hugh Freeze move. Eh, I think you just got to step aside and, uh, you know, till you feel better to, to coach. It's not the best situation there. How about in the Louisville-Notre Dame game, the uh, Louisville cheerleader that was hit in the nose by the Ian Book pass out of bounds? <laughs> uh, Elizabeth Scott is her name as Ian Book was throwing the ball away. Her... 
cheerleading mates yell at her, look out. And of course, she turns towards the ball because that's kind of what people do. And it boinked her right in the beak. (laughs) (laughs) So now she's getting lots of run on Twitter, Instagram, and becoming a household name, if you will. (laughs) And I think even Ian Book has even reached out to her via the social media channels to apologize. And she's saying, you know, you know, the great things that, you know, wasn't his fault, wasn't intentional and all that good stuff. And Miss Scott now is getting lots of notoriety. And uh, who knows, maybe her and Ian Book could end up dating one day. (laughs) Yeah, and I couldn't resist breaking out the old Marsha Brady getting hit in the nose with a football from the Brady Bunch. And the, the funny thing I find about that is, you know, if you're getting drilled in the face of the football, you're more likely to say, blank, 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 <laughs> not, oh, my nose. But the Brady Bunch was a nice, wholesome family show, and they had to do what they had to do for that. UCF got off the season to a terrific start, 62 to nothing over Florida A&M. As uh, I mentioned on my AAC report on the Nightline Sports Network, make sure you check that out when you get a chance. You know, I think this is what an elite team is supposed to do to a mid-level FCS team. So this is what the Alabamas do and the Clemsons to those level of programs and UCF playing like an elite team. And both quarterbacks, all three quarterbacks actually got in, but... You know, Brandon Wimbush was given the start. Dylan Gabriel was told he would play as early early in the first half. And they kind of rotated a little bit there. Gabriel was the more accurate passer. Wimbush is the better runner. I would say Gabriel came out on top if you were matching them up head-to-head. Kadri Jones got in. All he does is throw touchdowns. <laughs> and I don't think he's ever had an incomplete pass. Um, and, boy, what a talent he is in... in Unfortunately, the quarterback room at UCF is so deep. But uh, both quarterbacks, Wimbush and Gabriel, expected to play again when the Knights travel to Del Boca Vista to take on FAU. Saturday night special. And um, we'll see how long this goes. I mean, Dylan Gabriel has given people and given the coaching staff something to think about. And I don't think it's a good long-term plan for two quarterbacks. You'd hope by the Stanford game we're going to settle on someone. But for right now, against A&M and against Florida Atlantic, you can kind of get away with uh, mixing it up a little bit and continuing to have a, you know, a preseason-type scenario for these guys performing with the first team. But they do have to settle and I think at some point, Dylan Gabriel is going to be the quarterback. And, you know, I've heard a lot of conversation. Oh, you know, just playing for four games. Don't want to burn his red shirt. If he's the best quarterback on the team, I don't care about the red shirt. If he is the best guy to lead the Knights to hopefully another undefeated season, conference championship, conference championship easy for me to say, New Year's Six Bull, if he's the best guy to do that, ain't worried about the red shirt. 
And our neighbors to the west, the South Florida Bulls, they were destroyed by Wisconsin. 49 to nothing. A dismal showing by the Bulls. And they got to just be looking up the road at I-4 and going, and looking at the Knights and going, gosh, how much farther are we going to fall behind these guys? It is a <laughs> tough road to hoe for him for them. They, you know, dropped their last six games, so now they have a seven-game losing streak in tow. That is a program that's got a lot of problems. Charlie Strong tried to clean house, but Charlie Strong is now more and more looking overrated from his time at Louisville, and. He's a guy that tends to, everything is bigger than him. He's not, he's not big enough for the moment, it seems. Got swallowed up in Texas. And South Florida got Charlie Strong, hoping that he would be like the Charlie Strong in Louisville. But, but even then, you know, when UCF beat Louisville back in that uh, Fiesta Bowl season, big come from behind victory. You know, he was boasting about how they were the better team. And, you know, it doesn't matter. You, you lost the game. And after this Wisconsin game, he's here, we're not as bad as this looks. Yeah, you kind of are. Have to go back to the old Bill Parcell sings, you are what you are. What your record says you are. You're 0-1 and haven't scored a point in the season yet. A couple of quick notes from baseball from the weekend. Cleveland pitcher Carlos Carrasco returning to action, diagnosed with leukemia early in the season. He's gone undergone treatment, now coming back, made an appearance, and uh, love the fact that the Tampa Bay Rays players, one of the top stuff, giving him a standing O. Classy act. And you just love to see these things that are, you know, bigger than the game. And, you know, these are real people like you and me being affected by real problems. And it's uh, nice to see him celebrated in his return. And Justin Verlander, is this guy greedy or what? You know, he's already got two no-hitters. He's married to a swimsuit model, the lovely Kate Upton. But he has, you know, he's got a, he's got a World Series ring, and yeah, he's got to throw another no hitter. <laughs> what? Can't you settle for anything? <laughs> but Justin Verlander having a great season, part of that extraordinary Houston Astros pitching staff, and uh, he got it done with his third no no. Again, we do invite you to subscribe. As always, we are available on so many platforms. Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, Apple. Am I leaving anybody out? Tune in. (laughs) It's hard to keep track if you don't write the list down in front of you. But uh, we're out there on so many platforms, and we certainly hope you will continue to listen, continue to subscribe. As we are rolling with season number five of Jeff Allen Sports Talk. And with that, we are done here.
Thanks for listening to Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Follow Jeff on Twitter at Jeff Allen underscore 88, on Facebook at Jeff Allen 88, and the website JeffAllenSportsTalk.com. And you can reach out to the show anytime by email, JeffAllenSportsTalk at gmail.com. Jeff Allen Sports Talk is brought to you exclusively by Kramer's Salve for Dogs. Kramer's Salve is a safe and natural approach to help your best friend live an itch-free life. It's made from the finest ingredients so it stops itching, heals hot spots, and painful inflamed skin. Kramer's Salve contains a proprietary blend of neem, an ingredient known for its healing properties. A 4-ounce 6-month supply, including shipping, is just $30, and the 2-ounce 3-month supply, including shipping, is only $20. Help your dog end the itch and hot spot cycle. Order today at KramerSalve.net. That's K-R-A-M-E-R-S-A-L-V-E. LVE.net.